You're listening to the Informal Bible Study, a casual and applicational look at the Scriptures. I'm John Stonge, and it's great to have you with us today. In just a few moments, we're going to be looking at Jeremiah chapter 7, verses 1 through 15, and we're going to be asking the question today, does my heart match the image I convey? But before we take a look at that, just a couple quick things, really just one big quick thing. The past group of weeks, I've been telling you about the Desire Jesus one-year devotional, and I just want to thank those of you who are listeners who have taken the time to pick up a copy, and some of you have left reviews, and some of you have sent me emails. So it's been nice to be able to interact with you. I always wonder who listens to this podcast, so it's nice to be able to hear from you and and, uh, hear how the Lord's been using the devotional to encourage you in your walk with Christ. And someone sent me an email just this past week wondering if I was still offering the opportunity for those who picked up the Kindle edition to get a free signed copy, and the answer is yes, why not? (laughs) I'm happy when people uh, are willing to leave reviews, and a few weeks ago I mentioned on this podcast that those of you who picked up a copy of the Kindle edition of the Desire Jesus one-year devotional could get a free signed paperback copy if, after you pick up the, the Kindle one, you leave a review for it on Amazon, and then just send me an email and let me know that you left the review. And the email address to use is bookreviews at johnstonge.com. So if you use that email address after leaving your review on the Amazon page for the Desire Jesus one-year devotional, as my thank you for that, because it's it's challenging to get reviews sometimes when you're using Amazon and your book gets buried in their system if it doesn't get enough reviews. So I'm really grateful for those of you who have been leaving reviews. But if you leave a review, send me an email to that uh, email address and let me know what address you'd like the signed paperback copy to be sent to. Now, I realize that there are people here in the United States who listen to the podcast, and I realize there are people in in other countries who also listen to the podcast. Unfortunately, this offer is only available for those who live in the United States. So if you could think of something nice that I could offer those of you who live internationally that won't involve the postal system, please let me know. But again, those of you who live in the United States, if you take the time to leave a review and then send me whatever address you want the book to be sent to, I'll be happy to send you a signed paperback copy, and I'll get it in the mail right away. Now, as I mentioned at the start of this episode, today we're asking the question, does my heart match the image I convey? And I think that this is a relevant question for Christians living in any generation, but particularly for us living in the generation that we live in right now, I think that this is a relevant question. Because of things like social media and the fact that if you want to put yourself out there and make yourself public, and if you want to convey an image on social media or uh, whatever it may be, you have the opportunity to do so. But the question is, does your heart match the image that you're trying to convey? Or just in day-to-day relationships, does your heart match the image you convey? And this portion of Scripture talks about that very thing as we look at the book of Jeremiah today. So we're in Jeremiah chapter 7, and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 15, and this is what it says. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand in the gate of the Lord's house, and proclaim there this word, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you men of Judah, who enter these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. 
Do not trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly execute justice one with another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless, or the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own harm, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave of old to your fathers forever. Behold, you trust in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known? And then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered, only to go on doing all these abominations? Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, I myself have seen it, declares the Lord. Go now to my place that was in Shiloh, where I made my name dwell at first, and see what I did to it because of the evil of my people Israel. And now, because you have done all these things, declares the Lord, and when I spoke to you persistently, you did not listen, and when I called you, you did not answer, therefore I will do to the house that is called by my name, and in which you trust, and to the place that I gave to you and to your fathers, as I did to Shiloh. And I will cast you out of my sight, as I cast out all your kinsmen and the offspring of Ephraim. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the privilege to be able to look at this portion of Scripture together today. And Lord, as we look at this portion of your word, we pray that you would give us your insight and your instruction, and that you would help us as we seek to grow in our walk with you. So we thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be able to look at this portion of your word today, and we thank you for all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it's fair to say that most, if not all people, desire to experience good national leadership during the course of their lifetime. Jeremiah's life spanned the reign of multiple kings of Judah, but the events spoken of in chapter 7 took place during the reign of a godly king. For a time, Josiah reigned as king in Judah. His reign began when he was eight, but when he was 16, he became a fully devoted follower of the Lord. In his 20s, he sought to eradicate the idols from the land, and he also ordered the remodeling of the temple. In the process of remodeling, the books of the Old Testament law were rediscovered, and Josiah encouraged the people to begin obeying the Lord's teaching again. In the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 35, it tells us about the completion of the work on the temple, and it tells us about the celebration of the Passover that took place at that time. The people were excited, the people were in a very celebratory mood. From all outside appearances, it would have seemed like a great revival was taking place among the people, and that a renewed interest in walking with the Lord was taking place on a large scale. But the Lord knows people's hearts. And he knows when we're faking. And he knows when we're trying to craft an image that's the opposite of what's taking place in our hearts. And it was into this context that the Lord spoke through Jeremiah to address the the distant hearts of the people of Judah that were being disguised by their outward display. And as we wrestle with this same thought, as we wrestle with the question, does my heart match the image I convey? 
I think that there's several important questions that this portion of Scripture invites us to ask. And one of the questions is this, is there an area of my life that God wants amended? Look again at the first four verses of this chapter. It says this, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you men of Judah, who enter these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. I wonder what the experience was like when Jeremiah received a word from the Lord. There have been times in my life when it was clear to me that the Lord wanted me to say something to someone or something to a group of people. But when I look at a passage like this, I imagine that there may have been an added layer to how the Lord was communicating these specific messages to and through Jeremiah. Because very clearly, Jeremiah understood that the Lord was telling him that the hearts of the people were far from him. They were going through the outward motions of worship, but internally, they weren't truly walking by faith. Through Jeremiah, the Lord was reaching out to the people, and he was encouraging them to amend or change their ways. And he was inviting them to genuinely trust in him instead of trusting the vain promises of the false prophets who had been teaching the people that no calamity would come upon them because of the fact that the Lord's temple was located right there in their nation. But of course, the people didn't heed what Jeremiah shared, and so they continued living their duplicitous lives. Now, when I look at my own life, I can say this, I don't want to be that kind of person, and I hope you don't either. Even though we profess to be followers of Jesus Christ, it would be a lie for us to pretend like the things of this world have no power to tempt us. You and I both wrestle with all manner of temptation, and it would be a mistake to lie to one another or to lie to ourselves and pretend like we didn't. And sometimes in our weaker moments, we give in to the things that tempt us. At times, we might even give the devil a foothold in our lives when our temptations start to become our addictions. But yet, our desire is often to convey a picture-perfect image on the outside, while inside, we're nurturing our secret idols and our secret sins. It's into this kind of activity that our Lord speaks. And just as he encouraged the people of Jeremiah's time, I believe he's also encouraging us to be willing to listen to his fatherly voice and amend our ways, to believe the good news of the gospel all over again, to stop giving idols a foothold in our lives, and to experience the renewal and the refreshment that our hearts crave, which ultimately only Christ can supply. The Lord calls us to repent of our false beliefs because false beliefs lead to ungodly behavior. He's inviting his people to trust him once again. Another question that this portion of Scripture invites us to ask is this, do the deeds of my hands reflect the heart of Christ? Look at what it says in verses 5 to 7. It says this, For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly execute justice one with another, If you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless, 
or the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own harm, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave of old to your fathers forever. In the near future, my children in rapid succession will all become licensed drivers. They're all really close to that age. One is at that age, another is is coming right into that age range in, in mere moments, and they're all close in age, so in rapid succession, they're all going to become licensed drivers. They're excited about that fact. I am cautiously excited for them. Now, I remember the first summer I had a driver's license, and I was driving on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, and I was headed to a concert near Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, with one of my sisters. But sadly, my piece of junk car, (laughs) it didn't make it. Uh, The car overheated. It, It actually kept overheating. And I spent a good portion of the day trying to nurse it along while the antifreeze was just spewing out of the overheated radiator. And observing my dilemma, I thought this was pretty fascinating. Uh, an elderly couple pulled over. They were very thoughtful, and they pulled over to help me out. And they noticed that my car was overheating, and they asked me what my plan was. And, and they said, you know what, here, we have something that might help you. And the man opened up their trunk, and he gave me a gallon of antifreeze that they had in their car. And he gave it to me, and he said, listen, just keep it. He didn't accept any money for it, nothing like that. He said, here, just take it so that you could have it, so that you can refill what spills out after your car cools down, of course. And uh, I appreciated that, and I, I thanked him for it. And that did seem to help for a little while. It got us a little bit further down the road, but the car quit again, and it kept having the same problem. Eventually, I discovered what had happened was the radiator just junked out, and it needed to be replaced. But there we were. We were stuck again on the side of that road the same day. And thankfully, another family pulled over, and they offered to give us a ride to the next exit where we could find a payphone. This was in the days prior to everybody having a cell phone in their pocket, and uh, so that's what they offered to do. They offered to to take us to the next exit where we could find a payphone, where we could sit down and, and eat something at a fast food restaurant, and my sister and I thought that they seemed like honest enough people. They had a couple little kids with them. We thought, you know, we'll, we'll ride with them. We'll take the chance. Either that or we're just stuck here on the turnpike. Uh, and so we rode with them to the next exit, and I thought it was it was great, and you could see the Lord's providence in this, but this couple, this family, started sharing the gospel with us while we were in the car with them, and I thought that was awesome, and of course they were pleased to learn that my sister and I were also believers in Jesus Christ, but they really helped us. We needed help, and both of those families pulled over and helped us that day, and we were greatly appreciative of that. Now, I mention that because That was a day when I was in genuine need of compassion from strangers, and I felt very relieved when they offered it. Exercising compassion toward others is part of God's calling on our lives because it's evidence of the presence of Christ within us. We're called to reflect or mirror His compassionate heart. Through Jeremiah, the Lord was calling the people of the time to practice justice, to show kindness toward transient foreigners, and to look after widows and fatherless children. And many of the people thought the fact that they showed up at the temple and celebrated the Passover was sufficient. But the truth is, the Lord isn't impressed by our ceremonies or our pageants. He's looking for changed lives. He wants us to reflect the heart of His Son. 
He wants us to forsake our idols. He wants us to serve one another just as he has graciously served us. As followers of Christ, a passage of Scripture like this should encourage us to ask ourselves if the deeds of our hands reflect the compassionate heart of Christ. Something else this portion of Scripture invites us to ask is this, am I consistently walking in the light? Look at what it says in verses 8 to 10. Behold, you trust in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered, only to go on doing all these abominations. Something that the Lord has been teaching me to value during the course of the years that I've known Him is the blessing of genuine fellowship with Him. As I have come to know Him, He's been fostering a desire within me to know Him even more, on a deeper level than before. And a curious thing begins to happen to you when this becomes the pattern of your life. You begin to become very aware of His continual presence with you. He moves from the back of your mind to the forefront, and you become quite mindful of his presence when you're tempted to go in a direction that's outside his will. Walking with Christ develops personal integrity. He transitions you from walking in darkness to walking in the light. I like what we're told in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-7. to It says this, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. In the same respect, it becomes evident that a person has either an immature faith or no faith at all when walking in the light of Christ isn't much of a priority. Strangely enough, if you've ever watched a stereotypical mob movie, you've seen how this plays out. The mobsters commit murder and robbery and adultery and then ask a priest to give them a blessing or a ritual to absolve them of their guilt. And if anyone actually believes that this approach works, I'd encourage them to read this passage from Jeremiah, because in this context, Jeremiah lists the secret sins that the people of Judah were engaging in. Murder, robbery, dishonesty, adultery, and idolatry. These were being practiced in the activities of their hands and in the desires of their hearts. But then they'd go to the temple, they'd engage in ceremonious acts, They'd declare themselves delivered, and then they'd rush right back into the life of sin that they embraced before. Please tell me that isn't an apt description for us as well. Jesus cautioned us that our hearts can easily drift toward these things. In his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 22, and then I'll jump to verses 27 and 28, but this is what he said about this very thing in your life and in my life. He said, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. 
But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the fire of hell. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. This is what Jesus cautioned us about our hearts. And could it be that some of us are still trying to pretend with God and pretend with one another? What hope do we have if we aren't truly walking in the light? The only hope we have is to fall on the mercy of Christ, to seek his cleansing, and to ask him for the strength he supplies to walk with him daily, to allow him to be the one who governs our minds and our hearts, to allow him to be the one who governs our hands. Christ has called us to walk in his light. There's one other question that I think that this portion of Scripture from Jeremiah invites us to ask, and that's this. Am I trying to place my trust in something made by men? Look at verse 11 in the verses following it. It says this, Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, I myself have seen it, declares the Lord. Go now to my place that was in Shiloh, where I made my name dwell at first, and see what I did to it because of the evil of my people Israel. And now, because you have done all these things, declares the Lord, and when I spoke to you persistently, you did not listen, and when I called you, you did not answer. Therefore, I will do to the house that is called by my name, and in which you trust, and to the place that I gave to you and to your fathers, as I did to Shiloh. And I will cast you out of my sight as I cast out all your kinsmen, all the offspring of Ephraim. It became clear that the people of Judah thought of the Lord as their escape card that would allow them to go in whatever direction they wanted to with their lives without consequences. They had grown so used to God's blessings that they began taking them for granted. The Lord had established them as a nation, performed miracles in their midst, raised up prophets, priests, and kings for them, and decreed that his temple be built right there in their midst. And in time, the people of Jeremiah's day began thinking of themselves as special and unlikely to experience any form of divine discipline because of their lack of faith. Instead of trusting in their creator, they began placing their faith in the temple that was meant to point them to him. Can you think of any examples in our lives where we may have done the very same thing? Is our ultimate hope in something made by man, or is our greatest hope in Christ through whom all things were created? Do we trust the creation, or do we trust the creator? Now, in looking at a passage of Scripture like this, it becomes clear that the Lord desires a consistency and a genuineness in our faith. He wants our hearts to match the image we convey. He isn't interested in a show. He isn't interested in falsehood. He isn't interested in pretense. His desire is that we experience a genuine relationship with Him through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. This world has enough fakers. This world has enough people expertly working to craft a fake image. Christ isn't calling us to go through the motions for a few short decades. He invites us to experience a real, transformative faith 
that results in a new heart, a changed life, and a new family, not just a a new group of people to pretend in front of. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the privilege that it is to be able to look at this portion of Scripture together today. Lord, we're grateful for the fact that you have revealed these things to us. We're grateful for the fact that you enable us to walk in the light of your Son, Jesus Christ, through faith in him. And we're grateful, Lord, for the fact that you've given us a new heart, a new mind, a new future, a new life, a new family. All of these things, Lord, we know that you've granted to us as a gift through faith in your Son. So, Lord, we pray that we would walk as people who have been transformed by your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that the image we convey would be sincere, that it would be genuine, that our heart would match that kind of image, that we wouldn't just go through the motions and display an outward religiosity that has nothing to do with what's going on in our hearts. Lord, we pray that as we proclaim to be followers of your Son, Jesus Christ, that what comes out of our mouth would genuinely reflect what's taking place within us. We know, Lord, that you can make this so. We pray that you would mature our faith to that point. And we thank you for all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Informal Bible Study. As I mentioned at the start of this episode, if you pick up a digital copy, the Kindle edition of the Desire Jesus one-year devotional from Amazon, and leave a review on Amazon, then send me an email to bookreviews at johnstonge.com with your mailing address. I'll be happy to send you a signed paperback copy of the Desire Jesus one-year devotional as my thanks, as my form of appreciation for the fact that you've taken the time to leave a review on Amazon for the book. took a long time to write it. Very glad to be able to share it with you. I'm grateful already to hear about those that have been utilizing it to grow in their walk with Christ, and it's my desire to get it in the hands of as many people as I possibly can. So if you live in the United States and you take the time to leave that review, let me know, and I'll be happy to send you a copy in the mail right away. But that's it for us today. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week, and we look forward to catching up with you again right here next Monday. Take care. This is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Ministry podcast. Learn how to share and defend your faith by listening to us weekly. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.